Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I'm sitting down with Arnaud Giuliani, who is a developer from France. Hello, Arnaud. Hello, thank you for inviting me. Oh, thank you for coming on. And uh, I was, before, just before we started, I asked you, uh, where are you from? Because I kind of assumed you were French, but then Giuliani is not a French name, is it? Is it it's more Italian, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My grandfather is Italian. Okay. I was Italian, yeah. But you live in? in I live in Toulouse. It's uh, south of France. Uh, well known for his uh, Airbus factory and uh, to make planes. And uh, we have lots of planes in the Toulouse skies. And I'm software developer uh, for more than 11 years now. Uh, I worked uh, most on uh, Java, GVM stuff from J2E, uh, distributed application, messaging, Spring. I've I done uh, lots of Spring. And uh, <clears throat> I, I've done my, my first Android apps in 2013. Right. In 2000, 2015, I began to play with Kotlin. And uh, when I saw the first uh, production-ready version, I, I say, let's go. And uh, I was lucky enough to have the full ends on the technical parts of my application. And uh, I put, I directly put Kotlin in production with, uh, with uh, 1.0. Nice. <laughs> so you actually only looked at Kotlin when you started to get into Android then, not before, right? Uh, in 2013, I made lots of Java, and uh, until 2015, I was looking for something better because yes, it's uh, a verbose API, and it's not so embraced in the backend way because you have uh, Java 8 and now a new version. But uh, Android developer people uh, were stuck with uh, Java 7, uh, Java yeah. 6. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely for for Android developers, you you would see a much higher uh, immediate yeah. uh, return on investment, so to speak, right? I mean, I I didn't do I I'm not done Android, so apart from a demo, uh, which I've copy pasted, but you know, I I've always been using uh, Kotlin on the on the back end myself, so that's yeah. that's absolutely fine. Cool. And um, so, of course, the the reason that uh, we're on the show is because you are also the author of a dependency injection framework, which we're going to dive uh, deeper into, uh, which yeah. is called Coin, right? Did I yes. pronounce that right? That's right. Okay. Well, why Coin? I mean, okay, I get the K because... Uh, it is, uh, it's everything with Kotlin is a K, but yeah. uh, w w what is the, uh, is it Kotlin in, in, in injection or what does it stand for? Yeah, yeah. It's, it was about, uh, just found a funny name because uh, if you, you have the words uh, Kotlin dependency injection, you, you fall on codeine. Codeine is uh, already there. It's a but... drug. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's also <laughs> dependency injection framework. Let's, let's go for a funnier thing. Yeah. And, uh, when uh, I have, uh, I had a coin in the in my hair. I say, hey, just insert coin like a card game of my my childhood. Yeah. So if you ever do a, if you ever do kind of like a cryptocurrency, are you gonna are you gonna call it Kitcoin with a K? <laughs> yeah. I'm there actually surprised there isn't a Kitcoin already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are lots of things that's called coin. It's uh, quite the uh, you. 
before if you don't use uh, google to to find coin things uh, you will uh, fall on uh, you have uh, you will have uh, lots of results and not kotlin dependent injection framework yeah and but it that's like with everything like i i remember when we were coming up when first kotlin came you know when you would uh, google kotlin you would either get the island or you would get yeah. uh, a warship, which is a class destroyer, ironically. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and the same with like when we were selecting a name for um, our .NET IDE, which is called JetBrains Rider. And mm -hmm. people were like, yeah, but what if people just Google Rider? There's like so many things that are going to come up. But over time, it just, you know, Google learns and, and it just uh, picks up the right thing. So, you know, give it time and everything will be okay. Yeah, that's, that's it now. Yeah. That doesn't mean that we need to go and um, name our frameworks things like AND, A-N-D. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, dependency injection. Now, when we first started, you said that you had been working in Java 2 EE and you'd probably been doing Spring and a whole bunch of yeah. stuff. And so you, you definitely have experience with uh, dependency injection. And I'm, I'm going to kind of assume that the vast majority of uh, listeners also kind of know what dependency injection means, you know, when you are... Uh, injecting your uh, dependencies into different classes and, and, and stuff and setting them via constructors uh -huh. or properties. Uh, but, you know, like dependency injection has been around for a long time and, and uh, dependency injection frameworks or otherwise known as IOC frameworks, inversion of control, have also been around. Why go and create a new one? <laughs> Very good question. Um... In 2016, when I was developing with Kotlin, um, when you you <clears throat> sorry when you unlock uh, the Kotlin feature language, is, it become amazing, and you you, be, you begin to feel like a, feel like a superhero. You, you you say, hey, I can do this, I can do this, I can protect myself against uh, summersing, immutability protection, null safety, and when you begin to dive in DSL, refined, delegates, etc., etc. You you have very, very powerful feature. And it's very interesting to to dive in this such a language. It's very, very amazing. But in this time on the market, the the only solution that are in the, the top of thing that I use is uh, Java stuff. Java solution uh, as Spring, Dagger, uh, for the most known uh, framework solution. And um, the solution framework has uh, really constrained by the Java language, and it's very uh, ugly and boring to use it in, in Kotlin. Uh, you, you feel that it's very unnatural, and you, you, you can say that, hey, uh, we have... Uh, more smarter mechanism. We, we can make so much more with the language that, that we have uh, in the end. And my first thought about uh, making inject dependency injection with Kotlin, that was, I don't need any DI uh, framework because I have object, I have functions, I have generics, I have lazy delegates. And it's quite fun. You you can play with it and begin to write an app just just like that, just with the Kotlin language. It's powerful enough to to offer you some good solution. But on on the with the duration with the development, uh, you are on your own. You have to assume 
your boilerplate every day and this is your code there's nobody else to to suggest good thing and uh, you you feel to to you feel a bit closed and uh, this is this was my feeling how how can i make make di simple for kotlin android and just simple not stupid but simple simple way of writing it reading and uh, clearly understand things in uh, with snippets because uh, every knows everyone knows that when you want to learn a new framework you don't read the documentation yeah <laughs> you, just, you just read snippets and you say oh yes it's it worked like that and even with um codein or capsule i didn't find what i was what looking for i was looking for a very simple thing that was matching my, my developer needs i didn't want something from that came from theory or theory of or that was too many other features. I, I was just looking for something that uh, helped me describe dependency and get it in my in my application. Okay, and and we'll touch up on the the subject of whether all of this is needed or not later on. But coming back to this, you know, you you said that what you were looking at for didn't exist it was very complicated it was a lot of uh verbose apis etc and that's what drove you essentially to write your own right mm -hmm. so why not just write a wrapper around one of the existing ones why did you decide to just write it all from scratch the first thing that what i was uh experimenting a dsl and all the or the idea was about how how I, I can write it the most simple I, I can do, and effectively, uh, I have uh, uh, there was two choices: uh, uh, one to wrap an existing solution over uh, Kotlin, the other uh, making something from scratch and. Uh, um, it appeared for me, it, it was very natural to begin something just from scratch to, to just to start to test idea and to let people give me feedback and to exchange and say, hey, it's okay. I, 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 was, I, I didn't want to, uh, to depend on uh, something or an ecosystem or, or other, uh, other thing. So more than depending on the on the actual uh, from a technical perspective what you're saying is that you wanted to not be constrained to the the ways in which normally people think about IOC frameworks right you wanted yeah. to just experiment and have that entire freedom and not be driven towards a specific way of doing apis right yes it's, this is exactly that and uh, uh, i met uh, sebastian Deleuze at uh, spring io and uh, other uh, events and uh, we talked about uh, kotlin dsl and uh, uh, deep dive in some api and with a uh, reified stuff etc and it was it wasn't very interesting because he was um, beginning all its uh, DSL for functional declaration in Spring. And uh, with my uh, background of uh, Android developer, I was thinking about how how can I project it? How, how can I uh, use it or use this stuff? And uh, 
and uh, and it begin like that as with simple idea because I didn't want to reinvent the wheel because uh, we have a very good products that have been written in Java but just this is was just the the beginning of the adventures how if I could describe my component with the function it would be like that and it begin to be the DSL okay and getting to that now to give some context and 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 set a baseline for comparison right if we look at a typical ioc framework and i i mean i've I, lately i don't use them much but at the time i used to use them uh especially in the dotnet world essentially you would have interfaces for specific uh classes for instance and then what you would do is you would have what was the IOC configuration or often called the registry, where you would essentially say when uh, an, a specific interface is requested, give it this specific implementation, right? So if I want a, a service, a customer service uh, or a data storage, give it data storage MySQL, for instance, right? And uh, you would basically create a mapping from one specific uh, interface to a specific implementation. And then a lot of IOC frameworks, what they did was basically avoid you having to do this kind of uh, manual configuration. They started to implement a series of conventions, right? So they said, like in the .NET world, for instance, we had this convention that is often silly, but sometimes proved useful, which is if I had an interface, I would prefix it with an I. So if I had a data storage interface, I would prefix it with an I, right? So I would have an I data storage, and then the implementation would be data storage, which in the Java world, I guess is data storage for the interface and data storage impl for the implementation. But the IOC frameworks would use this convention, meaning that the amount of time that I would need to configure my IOC container would be minimal because as long as I followed this convention, I wouldn't have to worry about manually configuring it, right? Mm -hmm. Now, coming into the, the coin world, do you have that same concept whereby I have a, I have a component that has an interface and then I map this uh, a specific uh, you know a specific interface to a specific implementation? Do you still have yeah. this? Yes, you, you have, uh, yes, this is a, a good comparison because um, why not be, begin to think about DSL first framework. My, my first uh, thought was about uh, Spring 1 or 2 and the XML configuration hell and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was very, uh, it was a very good uh, period. But uh, um, the thing is uh, that in coin, you can write all your configuration your configuration is pure kotlin and uh, that's very good first thing that because it will compile with your code and then the idea of the dsl is to extract configuration just in a module it's a type of coin module will gather all your definition you just begin to open a uh, uh, a module and you will type all your definition in, uh, in this uh, in this declaration. So would module be the equivalent of what I called the registry of the IOC container where you have yeah. this mapping? 
Yes, okay. kind of so. Yeah, yeah. You, it's a, it's a way to declare lazy definitions for uh, for coin, and you will uh, load it uh, later. Inside the the the, the module expression, this, there is the the main idea of coin. That is, I just want to express my uh, component with a function inside because I don't want to dive in. As, as a framework uh, developer, I don't want to reinvent all the graph dependency analyzing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I was just experimenting in the first version of Coin the idea of uh, runtime dependency uh, declaration with functions. My component is, a, is just a function that will build my my my, uh, my component, and naturally we have a first type that is the type of the implementation and you can give another type uh, to this definition which will be your interfaces and then you have two keywords to to declare a definition in, in coin that is single to declare a singleton or factory to declare something that will create a new instance each time you call this definition and just then you type a single uh, with the refer type of your interface and you open braces to declare the expression that you want to build and that's it you have declared your definition okay so when you're saying that it's a functional uh expression i mean essentially what you're saying is that i'm i'm using a function to to do this mapping right yeah okay yeah. so what about and not you know what about the convention aspect of it? Does it support any kind of convention in the case of, you know, if I have a project where I have 30 different interfaces and 30 implementations for that interfaces, mm -hmm. do I have to manually define each of these or can it follow some sort of convention? No. Uh, the, the main idea of coin is to keep very simple, try to uh, to bring uh, tools that help you make things simply, but uh, it will hard to to dive in to API that will uh, make some sort of analysis or, or kind of. But you have to declare things. That's all. Okay. Just to then we have three keywords that I've done this module: single factory and the four. The first one, the the last that you have that you need just to to use coin, you just need four keywords. That is get. Get is a is a function that will retrieve the needed instance in the in the function that you are declaring. Then, the function that you are declaring, it it will function that called the constructor of your implementation class and. You will have a constructor with with property, and uh, to fill each property from the container, you will have to use uh, the get function. This is also why uh, some people see um, coin as a bit uh, manual because uh, uh, we are today uh, we have the habit to to see that uh, all the magic is done for you. But here, just uh, just uh, just uh, make things. You just make Lego uh, manually uh, with uh, with your classes, and, uh, and most of people are okay with that. For and we don't want we don't want reflection. We don't want complex mechanism behind that because we want to stay very very lightweight. 
and very agnostic against anything and I begin to develop the solution uh, like that. Yeah, I was going to say, because on the actual website and on the repo, it, it kind of, you highlight that we don't use uh, reflection, we don't use any kind of introspection. And of course, these things that I'm speaking about, like for example, following conventions wouldn't really be possible without the use of reflection, right? Yeah. So the idea of you avoiding reflection, is it you want to, uh, avoid the the magic compo the magic factor of uh, IOC framework, or is it for performance reasons and and being lightweight that you want to avoid reflection? Firstly, to help me write something that is completely agnostic and completely uh, uh, and completely separate uh, each uh, components or each layers that are in that is in the solution and. Um, for example, you have uh, some kind of reflection to help you declare a component without uh, having to type your expression with a constructor. But this function is, is in separate uh, greater project to help people understand that coin is firstly something that is manual and you declare things and there is no you will uh, clearly uh, directly understand what coin is doing there is no magic like that uh, and uh, and if you want if you are if you don't want to declare all your constructor on store or stuff like that you you can use uh, reflection api that uh, that are in a separate api that is a kotlin core extended functions but for performance and for design i uh, from the start i separated all the things I, uh, I kept everything very simple to help me go ahead with simple solution and keep simple. And it was a kind of hard and to not fall in every every solution. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. Uh, IOC, yeah. Especially people are like, oh, but can I have this functionality? Okay, and can you implement this yeah. feature? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. No, if you want this, go and use that, right? <laughs> uh, so... Now, speaking about a, a tip, your typical application, uh, and we spoke about the module, which is kind of like the init, init part, right, where it initializes everything. Usually, would you have one module per application or would you have multiple modules? With this DSL, everything is uh, lazy and you can combine module as you want. Then that's why we don't need any import feature or combination because you will give a list of modules to read to coin and you will read all your definition in the order and it will help you resolve the definition and then it allows you to clearly separate if you have a master module app that gather other other for example, uh, Android module, etc. You can define uh, as module as you want, and the final uh, root application will gather all the things. And you can also um, call later uh, coin to, to tell him, uh, hey, uh, I have so also a new definition that you can load, etc., etc. Um, I worked for a, for a client uh, this year that, and we were. Uh, on the banking application about we were we, we were about uh, dozens of modules with uh, hundreds of definitions and uh, it worked perfectly okay now one of the things that people normally argue 
against IOC containers is that they say, oh, it leads to very bad code, right? Because, uh, and to give an example of, of what they usually say is, well, you know, when you have an IOC container building up your dependency graph and when you have this, uh, you know, not having to worry about initializing constructors, et cetera, and so forth, what you usually end up doing is creating classes that have a lot of external dependencies. Now, personally, I don't agree with that because I think that an IOC framework's job isn't to define how many dependencies you pass into a class. It's just that maybe you are saying that just because, I mean, the argument is just because I don't have to think about it, I'll just pass independencies. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? or and, and does COIN in any way help prevent developers that maybe aren't attentive to thinking, I've passed in too many dependencies? Mm. Uh, I think like you, that uh, dependency injection is quite a good thing because for me, the first uh, really good aspect, it forces you and we uh, we encourage people in, uh, using coin to use constructor injection. And it's a very first way of design, it's very first good way of designing your uh, application because you will be able to, to mock and to test things very, uh, very in a very easier way than if you would uh, have instances uh, and uh, creating properties and having another way to doing that. The the good feedback uh, of Coin is that people tell me that hey, it helped me reviewed my uh, software design and it opening me uh, possibilities that uh, I didn't have until now. It, it's very uh, uh, it's very uh, I appreciate this kind of feedback because. This is the feeling I, I was based on when I, I was creating coin. This is the feeling I, I had in hand and I, as I was saying, okay, let, let's go in this way because even uh, master IOC solution like Spring says, hey, people uh, go with a constructor injection and try to fill with your dependency like, uh, like you want. But there is no limit behind that, but there is there is a... Um, the beginning of thinking dependency and software design behind that. And it's a good starting point for the developers, I think. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the other, there's another camp. I want to say the other camp. There's another camp of developers that are completely and utterly against IOC frameworks and dependency injection, uh, mo moving more towards. Uh, functional approaches, right? When you, when we're talking about functional programming, and we say that we're moving away from classes, objects, etc. You know, the the need for a dependency injection framework disappears as such. If I mean, if I don't have any classes and I don't have any interfaces really, and everything is a function, I don't really need the same kind of dependency injection that I have with with classes what are what are your general thoughts on that I mean are you have you done anything in terms of functional programming or what what do you feel generally about that way of design I think uh, for myself I didn't dive enoughly in functional programming I I begin with Scala or other older functional uh, language but uh, um, Kotlin helped me to 
to to appreciate uh, functional programming, but uh, it's uh, I didn't dive into uh, Arrow uh, for now. It's a good thing to <laughs> to to look at how they do uh, dependency injection. Uh, I've seen that they have uh, published an article about how they do effectively uh, dependency injection without any uh, IOC container or something like that. But uh, I'm quite um, I'm a, develop, I'm a developer, classical developer with a, a, a procedural background, and uh, I like to to try some functional time to time, but not uh, at, at this level in my uh, in my development, not entirely in in, uh, in functional way. <laughs> I'm not ready yet. <laughs> yeah, that, that's absolutely fine. I mean, I think the, the vast majority of developers, you know, those that are uh, in the Android camp, those that are in Java camp, uh, you know, the majority, including myself, we have been just brought up in a sense with object orientation and, that, and that's what we're comfortable with. And there's nothing absolutely wrong with functional approaches. It's just, you know, it, it's a different way of thinking and it takes time, even even if you are willing to, to make a, a jump or, or a change, it just takes time to uh, adapt to it, right? And, and, yeah. and when I say a new way, it, it's, it doesn't mean that the, the idea is new. The idea has been around for, for decades. It's just new to the way that you're usually doing things. So Coin also recently had its uh, 1.0 release. No, for congratulations on that. When did this happen? <laughs> uh, just released for last Friday. Um, now Coin is uh, more than one year of development. It's uh, and uh, it's quite it's a quite concise framework, and you have uh, just a bunch of API, DSL, and container, and uh, and win uh, with uh, one year of feedback. I think it's very important to have early adopters, to have uh, people who who get early feedback and help you to to continue on on this idea or to say no, it's, it's a bad idea to to go in this way or this way. And uh, and uh, with one year of development behind that, uh, we have we have today. Uh, I think um, something very interesting because people are beginning to follow uh, the project uh, not massively but uh, <laughs> to, to it make it quite interesting the android ecosystem and uh, it's quite appreciated because you can express things in a concise way and uh, it's it's what also kotlin is uh, a way of writing apps in a better way and a concise way i think yeah and and again you know I think it's it's worth mentioning that it takes a lot of merit to actually reach something that's a 1.0. So once again, congratulations, because often we forget, like you said, you know, you started out with an idea and a lot of times when you come out with a new framework or a new language or whatever, there are uh, way more retractors and those that are giving you negative feedback mm -hmm. as opposed to positive, right? And you know, you, you you know, we come out with a new language. Why do you need a new language? You come out with a new framework for for IOC. Why do you need this? There's so many, and it feels like you have to spend more time justifying what you're doing than actually doing what you want to do because you want to use it for yourself or because you it makes you happy, right? Mm -hmm. So, 
and, and I think at, at times we forget the struggle that goes into actually doing something and, and releasing it as a 1.0. So kudos for that. You know, it's, it's something that people often don't realize. No, yeah. it's not just increasing a version number, right? It's it's having to deal with all of the trolls and the negativity yeah. as well. Yes, yes, it's very. You have to to stay with your idea and try to to believe in that. And uh, you 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 see people that believe and people that don't want to believe and stay with their solution. I say, and uh, there there is some kind of article that make very good hits and you compare for for example dagger and coin yeah it will it will it will it's very perfect to match buzzwords but um indeed for coin the the main uh, message that i give to people is just try it. just take five minutes and try it and see if it if you are happy with that and more and more, uh, we receive uh, messages from people who say, "Hi, save my life! Yeah, you <laughs> save me lots of time because of this, this, and yeah, quite encouraging to keep on the road and to keep. And it's very hard to keep simple with with simple ideas. Yep, and and again, well done for that. And and it's very similar to when people say, "Why should I try Kotlin? You know, what are the main selling features? What are the main?" advantages yeah. over java it's not about one or two features it's just try it and get a feel for it and if you enjoy it use it if you don't don't that's simple yeah yeah sure i have i have uh, lots of colleagues that i tried to push to kotlin because uh like me they were back-end developer and they have the background of back-end and architect uh, and uh, if you if they don't try you you can say what you want. Uh, you say, they say, oh no, I prefer Scala. Oh no, I prefer my, my Java, etc., etc. And if you if you dive if you dive into Kotlin with them, you say, oh yes, not bad, not bad. <laughs> and <laughs> Inception, you you have you have uh, an idea that is beginning to to start in their mind. <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, all of this is on the website and we'll put the links on the show notes uh, so yeah. people can go download it and try it. And uh, it was great chatting with you. All the best of luck with the 1.0 release and successive versions. And thanks yeah. again for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Very happy to share this moment. Mm -hmm.